Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Now this is a complete opposite 180 from what the nobles and rulers felt that they didn't have to work on the wall. They felt so entitled. We don't have to work because we're too high up. Now, even though Nehemiah's job title was high enough to keep him from having to help, just like the governors who ruled before him, he said, all the governors before me, they put all this weight on everybody. I could have done it, and it would have been okay. Y'all would have said, well, you're the governor. It's all right. He goes, but I didn't even want to do it. He chose to work on the wall anyway. He says, I'm not too big to get my hands dirty. So he worked on the wall anyway, despite what past governors had done. So Nehemiah had full legal entitlement, but he still put others above himself. You never think of yourself as being above everybody else. Everybody else is better than you. That's pretty much what the Bible says. Everybody else is better than you. Treat them like they're better than you are. So Nehemiah was not too much to say, I I don't have to build the wall. Out of his generosity, as much as it was having a fear of the, a healthy fear of the Lord, he put everyone else above himself. That's very hard for us to learn in our culture today because we want to be the center of everything. Everybody should come my direction. Nehemiah even could have loaned money to the people, as was the practice of the day as a governor. He could have loaned them money, and if they couldn't pay it back, he could have taken their land. That was, that's how it worked. That was the expected practice of the day. The governor had the authority and the power. He could have made that happen. But Nehemiah chose to go ahead and get his hands dirty with them. He did not do that to them because they were already under enough weight. Friends, our culture, everybody out there is under enough weight as it is. We need to help them. We need to be generous like Nehemiah is. Nehemiah's motives were pure towards the people of Israel to save them from their slavery. Now, I'll give you a hint on this picture. People out there are in slavery. We should be generous to them with whatever you can give, whatever you've got. Believer or unbeliever, it doesn't matter. Being generous to them shows them the Lord Jesus Christ. So now Nehemiah 5 and 17. He's still talking. Look, this is great. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers. He's got everybody from low to high. Besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowl was prepared before me. And once every 10 days, an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions because the bondage was heavy on this people. Okay, so he had governor's provisions coming in, but he didn't demand it all just for himself. You remember a lot of the rulers we've studied in in times past, 
they took all their provisions and was drunk all the time, laying around eating, doing nothing while everybody else worked. He did not demand this. So we have a list here of everything it took to feed these people. He has he provided for 150 people here. They had no money to pay for this. They had no way to pay for everything they got. But he was very generous. Nehemiah paid the full cost at his own expense for them because he loved them. So he paid it all for their survival because he knew it was too heavy of a burden for them to carry. Oh, you're feeling Jesus in this one, aren't you? We finally made it. Okay. Nehemiah 5 and 19. So he says, remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. I think it's great how Nehemiah, he closes this chapter off with a prayer. Prayer was part of his life. It's the way he operated. And it's like what we should do. We should operate by prayer as well. And the only thing that Nehemiah wanted out of this, you know, he could have said, oh, I want interest, I want land, I want all this stuff. The only thing he asked for in this whole thing is to be remembered. That's it. Just remember. I'm, I'm thinking about the Lord Jesus when he died for us. He said, do communion so that you just do this to remember me. Just, rem- just remember that I did it. You know, he said, I, I don't expect any payment back from you because I know that it's too heavy on you. You can't pay it anyway. But he goes, just remember what I did. So he said, remember me. A lot of gospel parallels in this story because a lot of what happened here gives us a picture of God's character. Now, first off, Nehemiah got extremely angry at the nobles for violating God's law. He got very mad. And you got these people all oh, getting mad. That's wrong. That's wrong. Well, don't forget to be loving first, okay? <laughs> He's putting in the work. He's working with people. I'm sure they had great days. I'm sure they had disappointing days where Nehemiah was encouraging them. Brother, I know it's hot. Let me get you some water. Keep going. You can do it. You can do it. But when, it was, when the law was seriously violated, that was time to get angry. And I want us to see something that most American Christians don't, do not know these days. They don't, they're not aware of this. It's Psalm 711. God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. God is angry. People who sin, sin willfully. Even if you mess up in a sin, God gets very angry at that. God has anger. No, God just loves me. He just wants to shower me with blessing. Well, you know, he's mad at our sin, too. We need to understand that about God to know his true character. And most people today, they do not realize that their sin hurts other people. And they sure don't realize how their sin angers God. To the nobles, put yourself in the nobles' position. They were just doing their normal, habitual business. That's the way we do things. This is the way it is. This is how our culture works. We're nobles. You know, we lend money, we take land, we do usury, you know, interest and all that. That's just, that's the way we do it. That's how it is. You got a lot of people saying that today. Oh, this is just how it is. But it's not right, a lot of the things people are doing. But that's how it is. is Everybody does it. And they don't realize how their sin hurts other people. They're not understanding this. So the nobles, just doing what we do, they didn't understand how they were hurting people. They were hurting people that could not bear the burden. And so when they were hurting other people that couldn't bear the burden, actually in turn, They were hurting people who were trying to help build a security for them. They were hurting themselves. See, the nobles were going to live behind this wall too. 
And if they were hurting the people building the, the wall, that was hurting themselves. I've talked to guys before about getting, in, uh, getting right with God, and they said, well, it's my sin, it's my life, it's my business. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm like, actually, yes, you are. And I told one guy, I met him at a coffee shop. I said, hey, let's meet and let's discuss your, uh, your lifestyle. Let's talk about your sin. And he go, I'm not hurting anybody. I said, did you know your mother called me crying on the phone, begging me to sit down with you and talk to you about the damage you're doing? And you think you're not hurting anybody else? You're hurting other people. It's not just contained with you. So the nobles themselves, uh, they were hurting people. They were taking advantage of people who were building their defense from, for them. Friends, this affects everybody. When you do things that hurt other people, you think, well, that's, that's their problem. They're a jerk or whatever, so I'm justified in what. You're hurting yourself. You really are because it's a violation of God's law to do that sort of thing to people. Now, I want us to remember that we've all sinned. I I always like to state that because when I was growing up, I heard pastors that talk about those sinners out there, those sinners out there, as if the pastor wasn't one. I'll let you know I'm a sinner. I've sinned big time in my life. And I, I got scared, healthy fear of the Lord like Nehemiah did. I said, I better cut this stuff off. I mean, Nehemiah was scared God was going to get him because our sin provokes God's wrath. I was scared God was going to get me. (laughs) <laughs> it was a healthy fear. And I gave my life over to the Lord Jesus for real, and I cut that nonsense out. I stopped being a user, usury. I stopped doing that to people. But we've all sinned. We've all broken God's law. And we did it for whatever selfish reasons we had for our own gain. It's all whenever you commit a sin, it's always for your own gain. It's for me to gain interest off of somebody or something that comes back to me for myself is just like what the nobles did. So I, guys, I see myself as what these nobles did. And I hope you can too. When you really look at the sins you've committed, you used somebody or something for your own gain that hurt other people, which ultimately come back and hurt yourself. So every one of us has our day of accountability ahead of us where we're going to be brought before an assembly and be made accountable. You can argue with me, oh, it's not really sin, it's everybody's doing it. Okay, your day of accountability is coming, okay? I'm warning you, this is healthy accountability here today, okay? Romans 14 and 10, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Thanks, Ray. I was feeling good till you said that. But this is healthy. Now, I know you looked at Nehemiah and said, yeah, those nobles need to be brought before the assembly. They need to be made accountable. Throw the law at them, Nehemiah. Tell them what they're doing is not good. Make them swear an oath before the priest. That's good. That'll straighten them out. Oh, we love to say that when it's somebody else. But what about when it's you? What about when it's me? Now, all of a sudden, we don't like that, do we? Well, you did realize, I hope, that the accountability, the calling it to the assembly was healthy. If it was healthy for them, it's healthy for you. It's healthy for me. Guys, that's going to be a good day when we stand before the Lord God. Because if you're saved in Jesus, you're going to be judged based on his account, on what he, Jesus did, okay? 
But Nehemiah, he held the nobles to the law. He held them to their violations. He held them to it. And friends, we're all going to be held accountable to the law for our own violations against God's law. We all broke it. We broke that law. We sinned and we wanted it. We had a gain for ourselves in it. And we are going to be made held accountable. So I want you to remember how the nobles had nothing to say. They were silent because they knew they were caught. They knew they were guilty. There's no way for us to worm our way out of it. They just had to, it's just what it is. They knew they were guilty. And so Nehemiah made them restore back what they had done wrong. Friends, I know when I talk about us being sinners, everybody gets the same look on their face. They have nothing to say. You're right. Believe it or not, your pastor got a ticket the other day. Well, it was a warning. I got pulled over on that speed trap up there in Alvin at 45. You come off of 35, it's 55 miles an hour. As soon as you hit business, I'm telling you, it drops down to 45 miles an hour. You better slow it down. And the, the, the police officer asked me, do you have any reason why you were speeding? I had nothing to say. I said, no, I don't have anything to say. You got me. And uh, she goes, okay. She ran my license, and she came back with a warning and let me go. I was like, yes, praise God. <laughs> But when I was really put to my guilt, there's nothing I could say. I mean, I I did it. You got me. And they were quiet. So then Nehemiah said, now I want you to restore back what you did wrong. You used people. You You put usury on people. You broke the law. Now I want you to go make right. It's time for you to go make right. And the problem with our sin is that the cost of our violation, though, it is so big. It is so huge, it's so expensive, that we cannot possibly restore back enough to make things right. My sin is so astronomically high and so expensive, there's no way I can make it all right. I can't restore it all back. Romans 3.23, for all, that includes me, that includes you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Friends, we fall short. We have no way to make up for it. No way. There's no amount of work you can do, no matter how perfect it is, no matter how long you do it, there's no way that you can ever make up for the damage of the sin that you and I have caused. Never. The price was just too big. First John 2, verse 2, And he himself, that's Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. To propitiate means to regain favor back. Jesus is our propitiation. He's the only one that could die on the cross to get us back. To himself. And friends, the cross was really, really hard, dirty work. It was bloody. It was sickening. It was insulting. It was full of shame. You know those pictures of Jesus on the cross and he's got that little cloth over his midsection? He didn't have that. They just painted it like that so they could display it on an art wall so that people wouldn't see. The, the graphicness of it, really, he had nothing on, guys. It was shame. Ripped his back open. Plucked his beard out. It was dirty, dirty work. Now, what if Jesus was like the nobles and had that attitude as a king? He was too high up there 
too high up in title to get his hands dirty for us sinners. What if he had that attitude that the nobles had? All you and, I, you and me, we'd be in hell right now if Jesus had that attitude. I, I'm king. I don't have to do that work. I, I'm, I'm too high. Friends, Nehemiah was the governor. He was not required to do any of the dirty work. Nehemiah, he really truly was entitled to a lot of the benefits that he could have taken from the people, but he didn't take it. Why did he not take it? Because his people were hurting, and there was nothing they could do about it. Now you know why Jesus came to save us. Even though Jesus was high up as king, and he was entitled to all benefits, he still came down and got his hands dirty and did that hard work on the cross to save us because humanity was hurting and there was nothing we could do about it. And he came for us. Nehemiah could have loaned money to the people and charged them according to the practice of his day. But Nehemiah's motives were pure towards his people. Friends, Jesus Christ, he could have taken everything away from us for being sinners because that's the normal practice. That's the way things are. That's how it's done against people who break laws. But Jesus has pure motives towards his people. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He could have, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you see all the things that Jesus could have done, but didn't, because we could not buy our way out? So I want us to understand that when Jesus came here to save us, he left all the luxury of royalty. He left his throne. He left all of what his title gave him the right to have. You know, friends, I'll tell you, no royal king should ever have to be nailed and hung on a cross. No king should ever have to go through that. Kings are entitled to better than that. Entitled, real entitlement. But Jesus died for you, and he died for me. This means that Jesus put you above himself. Now, I know that's, that's a real brain twister because we think there is no one higher than Jesus, and there's not. But when he died on the cross for you, he put you above himself. Did you know that? If you want to live like Jesus and you want to show the foreigners out there who your God is. Remember, Nehemiah was mad because the people were blocking the image of who God was. He said, I need you to show people that God can save. You're not showing people that. You need to show them we have a saving God who can provide. So if you want to live like Jesus and show people that, then we have to set aside our own sense of entitlement, and we have to obey Philippians 2.3, says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Everybody in the room just became better than you. Everybody in the room is better than you. Everybody out there is above you. That guy out there, that stereotypical guy or gal out there that you don't like, they're not as ambitious as you are. They're not as successful as you are. They got a filthy mouth. Oh, those low people, uh-uh. 
you treat them better than yourself. If Jesus could die for a mess of people like us, we can do, give ourselves up for them, for people out there too. Everyone is better than you now. It's hard, isn't it? Tough pill to swallow. Because you want to take your position. Well, I'm not like you. You out there, I, I, I worked for my living. I, I got this title because and I, I'm, I'm not like you. And we look down on others. If you want to show them the Lord God and show them that we have a serve a God that saves and we serve a God that loves, we have to treat others better than, them, better than ourselves. They are higher than us because Jesus did that for us. Nehemiah did this for the people. Now, I want you to remember all the Jews that Nehemiah invited to dine at his table. He had nobles. He had, for everybody, he had Jews and nobles, everybody from the bottom to the top, everybody. They came to dine at his table. He wanted to express his love to them by sharing the provisions that he had as their governor. He's going to share with you the generosity that he had. Friends, Jesus wants to express his love to you by sharing the provisions he has to, for us as our king. Nehemiah, as your governor, I want to share with you what I have for you. Jesus says, as your king, I want to share with you what I have. Revelation 19.9. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is going to be such a good dinner. There's going to be brisket that's better than anything I've ever produced off my pit. There will be no watermelon. But it's going to be some good eating, I'm telling you. If you faithfully believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you've been invited to dine at this table. His table, he's invited you. I'm your king. I want to share with you what I have. Dining together it means friendship. And Jesus set us above himself to die in our place. If Jesus did not set you above himself, he would have never died for you. He would have said, I'm the king. That's your mess. You fix it. I'm not getting my hands dirty for you. And he would have exacted usury off of us, and we would have never been able to pay it back. But Jesus did not demand his rights as a king. Nehemiah did not demand his rights as a governor. The nobles did. They demanded their rights. That's why he said, you're wrong. You're in violation. Jesus did not demand his rights as a king, but Philippians 2.8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The cross was the most publicly humiliating way to die. And it wasn't just shame on you, it was shame on your whole family and everybody that knew you. This was, it, it was far-reaching. That's why Mary had to go live with one of the disciples because she was going to be shamed for the rest of her life and culture for her son dying on a cross. So Jesus set her up. Hey, you need to take care of her, but she's, she's going to be shamed. It was bad. It was dirty work that a king should have never had to have done. Friends, can you see what Jesus could have done versus what Jesus did do? You let that sink in for a minute, it'll really work on you, man. It's good. And it generates quite a sense of thankfulness in me. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.